with artists created and produced by Detlef Schlick, a visual artist and ritual designer, living and loving in West Cork, and best known for his essay about the cause and effect of shamanism, art and digital culture. Working in the field of performance, photography, painting, sound, installations, and film he will dive and discover with us and a weekly creative guest into the unknown and exciting deep ocean of the creative mind. This is Detlef Schlich and today we dive into the uh, unexpected and exciting deep deep ocean of the creative mind with a friend of mine and I'm so happy to have him here and that we eventually can make it i mean uh it is paul cup and paul is uh for me a very special artist because paul is uh, not just uh, um, a ferryman um, and a seaweed farmer and a builder and uh whatever i mean so many different things he's doing so so he's living his vision and life is art for him and art is life for him and uh He's a poet as well. We all will come later to all these points. I will start in this part um, first of all to 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 discover with Paul where 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 he is coming from originally and what brought him over here to Ireland to get this connection here with with this lovely lovely place where we are living now all together more than less. And uh, then then we continue in the second part uh, into his visions and in the third part we will end up with his latest project his seaweed farm where he just has has the the the, uh, the 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 permission already so congratulations for that so hi paul hi detlef hi <laughs> i've never done a podcast before but uh, it's a new experience it's great to have you in my show thank you very much paul thank you very much i would say um we actually we are here um in, Lo in paul's actually um latest project uh in the living room and um i actually i just start from the beginning um i think people are interested in how long are you living already here in in, in west cork now um well um i have a long relationship with ireland but um i came to live here just after the millennium 2000, 2001 or whatever, so something like this. Yeah. Um, was it the first time? No, no, um, because um, Ireland was the nearest um, foreign shore to, to Devon where I was living. So we used to sail over every summer holidays just about and see and we'd go up the we'd usually make a landfall at cork yeah. and then we'd see how far we got up the west coast in the in the, in the, in the summer you know before it was time to head back all right so, so you, you didn't start at west cork you start more above cork or whatever the first time i came here we um i came here with a bunch of um, surfers, you know? Yeah. 
an old VW camper with about 12 surfboards on the roof. When was that? 1979, I believe. Ba, 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 Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, we drove all the way up the West Coast looking at waves. I'm not such a surfer myself, but I was the driver, you know. <laughs> That's a neat driver. And um, That's a neat driver. we we ended up in Kerry. Yeah, I ended up in Kerry yeah. uh, for the summer and working on a fishing boat. And um, so I was, I, I I you know it was one of the best best summers of my life. Yeah, seventy six, seventy nine. Yeah. Wow. Um, but. I didn't want to settle down here then yeah, yeah. because it just seemed like uh, endless endless uh, mountains and bogs and <laughs> sheep and, you know, it just ago, felt I mean, in my youth, it felt yeah. like I was yearning, I was yearning to go somewhere tropical. You, you were know? in your 20s. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so I didn't stay. Yeah. But I came back yeah. um, years and years later because I knew, I knew, you know, what a special place um, Ireland is. And, yeah. um, and the, after a while, you know, the grass was greener here yeah. than in the UK. It was green, literally greener. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> it was not. It There's was not, not much difference, you know. It's all a bit home from home, like Devon and... Devon and um, the west of Ireland. It, it used to be together, Ireland and England, wasn't it? I mean, as, as what? Uh, not, 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 not fifteen thousand years ago. You 15, mean fifteen thousand years? Was it? Yeah, I don't know. So probably things like this. So, so mm. it was that's that's the similarities. Mm. You know? mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's meant to be the the uh, land of Leoness somewhere under the waves. There, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, it, great yeah yeah i mean i can't imagine that so you came over here was 26 27 probably was it in 79 your age was 26 27 that was the first time and um but you came back every year you said not every year but um because um when i left and it was a heady time you know in the beginning of the 80s And um, I was, uh, I spent some time living in the squats in London, yeah. which was a great experience, you know, a university of life. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, so in your 20s? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the, um, I don't want to glorify it, but I met some great people and some made some great friends there. i think in the 20s it is it is um um the energy is is if if you have the tendencies to 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 be somehow say an, an anarchist or whatever then this is part isn't it i mean if, if squatting and all that you know well it was it was a golden age in london before thatcher before like you could live before there 81. were there were lots of squatting communities and housing Germany as well so there was no pressure no pressure like there is today for people and so you got this you got this uh, pe people blowing in from all the well from all over the world and Scotland and Ireland and I mean, so 
you know, everybody trying to get out of their own um, place, you know, and find Good something new. Yeah. Um, like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. And the music, you know, the music Punk. was all happening. There were punks and rasters and yeah, it was I a know. big eye opener for me. You know? I know. It was actually, it was the time when, 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 when I went to Glastonbury, I think it was in 79, 80, and uh, on a concert, you know, so I watched, I think, Black Euro and, 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 and uh, uh, Robert Plant was playing there. And uh, and they, they sent me, I mean, I came in with, with Rastafaris as pizza service, you know, so I, I gave them 15, 15 pounds and they, they gave me a rest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, um, and, and I could get in with them, you know. It was so. kind of part of the course that to gate crash Glastonbury back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And um, for which I'm ashamed to say, but <laughs> it was just part of the course. And um, yeah. and you could write a book about just about that, yeah. all the um, tunnels and and hang gliders <laughs> and things that people used to get in, you know. Did you did you get in as well on the way like this? Yeah, I well, I never bought a ticket, so I don't know. So how uh, did you get in? Um, sometimes in the back of a van or usually usually I was with people who were working there or you know um and it was all um you know it was all a game I think you yeah, know yeah it was big fun wasn't it I mean um, it was already very very commercial wasn't it in, in the 80s Glastonbury well now it's so commercial but I mean when I first went there um, it was more like free food kitchens and, you know, uh, I'm not really shocked how the alternative movement, which sort of changed for to be so capitalist, you know? Um, I think the problem is that it is, you need a lot of energy to set up a, a, an alternative festival like this. And... Probably it takes five years or ten years if you can make it. I mean, take for instance here, here a Townland Festival. They, they struggled and they, I think they can't continue with that anymore, isn't no, it? No, sure, sure. So, and I've, yeah, of course. But we all contributed in other ways, you know. Energy. Yeah. And so it was a kind of like a tribal gathering to, if you identified with, with that and... Um, you know, you had the convoy and and the packs of wild, semi-wild dogs and horses <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, great times. It, it, mm. it, was, it was cool. So, yeah, sure. So, I mean, in, in times like this, um, you're, you're not keen just living the, the rest of your life in Ireland. Is, uh, discovering is, is, is necessary. And I mean, I think especially... It was actually the same time like in Germany. I mean, in 79, I had the podcast with Dominique van Zenger, with Ken Dunkelziver, the Young Wild in Cologne, uh, Bader Meinhof, uh, uh, Schleier. All that happened on, at a little bit to the same time. And and uh, it was, like you say, it was before Setcher. And then Setcher came and, and Reagan and Setcher, they did the, brick, the big uh, privatization and, and neoliberalist 
fantastic start, and everyone came over from from, from England to Ireland as well. Yes, all our all our um, worst nightmares have come true, you know, to the present day. And you when know, was that exactly? Eighty one. Thatcher. Yeah, I suppose um, eighty. Three, was, it, was it 83? Don't ask me. I'm a, I'm no, a very no, timeless no. person. Yeah, and one of my problems is that I can't put time into a linear scale. I have my timeline just in my head. With past, the present and the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With occasions, you know. Yeah. So with, yeah, with but festivals it's, um, it's very good to be able to put things into their proper Some, Somehow, time, yeah. You know. So it was 83 probably. I mean, yeah. I was 21, something like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So such a... Such a became became the the iron lady of england yeah um but i was um i'd already left by that time um i left um just before the brixton riots we were living down in south london guns of brixton um clash we used to we used to go into brixton from Vauxhall on the 2b bus What, what is a 2B bus? Uh, the, the, the double-decker. 2B double-decker, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, um, yeah. And it was all happening. But um, I, you know, I had this um, ambition to travel and um, I bought a motorbike. Yeah, the first time? No, not my first bike by a long shot. But I bought a um, sort of enduro sort of enduro yes enduro, yeah. yeah and took off and i spent um some time in switzerland actually oh. fruit picking i didn't know that how long? um saving up money one the whole summer fruit picking fruit picking how long did you stay in, in switzerland so from maybe from may to right through probably was the last person to leave in november um but just and Uh, picking carrots in the snow by then and then i remember i only just got over the saint bernard pass um driving over the pass in a blizzard on my motorbike with my beard frozen solid mm -mm -mm. and down into italy and um and it was so cold down to bologna and then we hit the warm air of the adriatic And carried on down to Greece, and then mm. uh, caught the ferry to um, Alexandria. Yeah, and yes. that was my first uh, trip to Africa. Your first trip to Africa, but you used to be before in Africa, haven't you been there? Not before then, no. Not before then, no. Okay, I thought you 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 used to be earlier there in Africa. You see. I'm, Dear listeners, I don't know everything as well, you know. So <laughs> All right, so it was in your late twenties. I was yeah, twenty six, I think. Okay, um, prime but, prime of my youth. But 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 you had you had a link to Africa, no? Well, in a way, I grew up with a lot of Africans because my father spent his life in Nigeria. All right, and um, so we always had uh, many Ebos. Um, you know, from Nigeria, All passing right. through our house. Yeah. So I was kind of easy with... And and, and very familiar with, with the culture. No? Or? 
Well, I say that, I mean, I was nervous when I reached Egypt, you know, because I was kind of had this um, paranoia that, you know, I would get my throat cut in a in an alleyway, you know, and robbed. And so you've been alone, but it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. Egyptians, Egyptians are so such friendly people, yeah. and they love the crack, and yeah. they love to share a joke Communicate and and, and dance, and yeah. um, so. And it was like coming from Europe is is like uh, everybody's grown up in Europe. And then, well, I don't mean to sound um, condescending, but in Egypt, it was like everybody was able to play. You know, I felt like a child again. Um, and, yeah. And I felt safe all the time. Um, I mean, I have, I did have some... Um, dodgy situations on my travels but like um, everywhere you can have it you know yeah, and even Cologne yeah, or, yeah, or in yeah, London yeah. you know in fact um, I went into another reality almost um, I spent a year coming back um, I, I, I took the bike down to the equator and one of my one of my fondest achievements is that when I eventually arrived back in yeah. Cairo yeah. Um, and I was I went in the train station into the tourist waiting room yeah. and got thrown out they said you're not a tourist so that was <laughs> that was um I was quite pleased about that because by that time I was speaking Arabic a bit and... But you didn't have black hair, huh? No, no. Well, I had an emshi. Everybody wears an emshi. So, so and you were probably very, very black in your, in your face. Well, they thought I was an albino, I think. Honestly? Yeah. Uh, yeah so you a lot of people thought I was albino. You had already your grey hair in earlier years or what? Wait, well, blonde. I was ash blonde, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 they, 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 it was very difficult to distinguish if if you were. Uh, it was just from being in the desert for a long time, yeah. and I behaved like uh, <laughs> like it, you know. I mean, I can imagine your listeners, Paul. Is very how tall are you? What S is it? Six foot. Six foot. I mean, he's a very tall guy and and slim like a slim like a like a like like a uh, like a, a, a anorexic drumstick. So. <laughs> I can imagine that they thought, okay, this is he might come immediately from the Sahara. <laughs> or, you know. Yeah, well, I, I was, uh, I think I went there because I needed a shower or something, you know. Yeah. yeah after yeah. being on the dusty road yeah. for uh, months. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, so that was a great experience for me that changed, really changed my life going going to Africa, um, and experiencing the synchronicity how synchronous life can be now we've all got smartphones and things and yeah. we're still uncoordinated but you can almost when you everybody is in i think because there's not so much maybe so much going on there you know not so many things and people have more time and um I felt like really, 
and I'm sure you know this is the this is how we we've evolved for thousands of years in every in every place evolution um, and things happen just spontaneously um you know you meet the right person um and it was it was remarkable you know i can imagine that i mean i mean i think i think i mean i know no moments like this as well because i used to be three months in but just three months in in, in middle america you know central america in panama costa rica just on my own it gives you a sort of a, a notion of freedom you know what what if and i think if you once stand this i mean at least in my case if, if you survive this adventure nothing can happen in, in your life anymore then you then you're cap capable as well to achieve anything what you want i mean on a certain extent well in my case i came back and um i think it's uh, fairly common for um for other travelers as well i came back and it was like coming from a land where everything was in technicolor europe seems so black and white you know <laughs> it was like coming back into this boring predictable reality and i kind to, to, to devon or, or what yeah i came back to devon when and, was that um so 1982 or three sorry I'm that was just back. about when Thatcher. when she, yes back to thatcherite thatcherite britain and um and i actually had quite a lot of mental health problems yeah on top of no delusions wonder. delusions of grandeur because i just felt a culture shock that i could i felt nothing was impossible yeah sure sure but i didn't have the um i didn't have the communication skills to build the bridges sure um so on the one hand i was terribly overconfident yeah um and um the um the i was you know i was collecting rubbish from from the rubbish tips that people were throwing away you know like that uh, just because it all seemed so valuable to me sure. after being yeah, in a yeah, place yeah, where yeah, a tin yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. was was uh, was something that people had to pay for <laughs> you know Imagine, and i yeah. and i was thinking all this technology i was i wanted to Surround build by. windmills and things and like you know you shot and fighting against windmills <laughs> not building it's the fighting <laughs> but um what i what i missed i think is that i didn't realize that i didn't have forever and um and sure. time passes really fast sure. and sure. um and so now i'm i don't bother you know I, and i people come to me and they want to do projects you know with recycled materials which yeah. is great but yeah. you kind of time is a commodity in our culture <laughs> whereas it wasn't really maybe it wasn't it, africa was very timeless it was more than manana 
culture. You know, it was <laughs> more like it means something next actually, year. <laughs> more than manana culture, people. So, so you have to, you have to chew that. You know, <laughs> I would say, I would say, um, so uh, more than manana culture. I would say manana uh, to to for our next meeting for our next talk, Paul. It's Ross Grades, the first oh, Thank part. you for uh, letting me break the ice. It, I've got my fluffy uh, punch bowl here. Yeah, which which is cool. So, so that's cool. So so, so the, the modern manana punch bowl. Uh, dear listeners, um, like always, I'm going to put everything about Paul, um, Paul's links uh, or descriptions and of that, what you want to know about him and to my description you can get into contact with him as well if you want um you can get into contact with my attitude page uh, you can watch this talk as well on uh, my attitude channel in in uh next future in three or four days after this talk and i hope as well that 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 uh, you guys come when I have with Paul the second part uh, and uh, I would say on that note Paul thank you very much you know take care pleasure bye this is a listener supported show I feel honored if you subscribe this show you can follow me non-financial with the following click on one of my Instagram accounts or subscribe the visual version of this podcast on YouTube via the link below if you like what you hear be sure to tune in this sunday for the third part of this attitude audio triptych if you want to leave a donation for a coffee or a bus ticket just follow the donation link via the attitude podcast account eventually i would like to thank through this medium all my members and listeners of the i love west cork artists network from all over the world just to remember myself that without you this year couldn't and wouldn't happen you have listened to artitude West Cork's first art, fashion and design podcast. Artitude, never so close again. Ah. That was too close.